Hello, this is Peter Woolfolk. First, let me say thank you so much for being a listener. Now, I want to alert you to our shiny new podcast website located at podpage.com. However, you can go directly to the podcast site located at www.publicrelationsreviewpodcast.com. There, you can contact me through email. You can leave a voice message. You can leave a review. You can read an episode blog and frequently learn about the podcast guests. You might also want to suggest podcast topic ideas or even suggest a guest. You can also let me know if you would like to receive our podcast listener logo that you can post on your social media. So I look forward to hearing from you about our new podcast website, www.publicrelationsreviewpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Public Relations Review Podcast and have a great day. Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review Podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast and to our listeners across America and around the world. Empathy in content marketing is our topic today. Empathy is defined as the action of understanding, being aware of, being sensitive to, and vicariously experiencing the feelings, thoughts, and experience of another. Now, my guest today is Josh Ritchie. Josh is co-founder of Column 5, a content marketing agency with offices in New York City and Costa Mesa, California. He is also the co-author of Infographics, The Power of Visual Storytelling. Now, if that's not enough, he also teaches a course on visual, the visualization of information at Columbia University. Now, Josh says, successful content marketing is about attracting people to your brand through content, be that content educational, inspirational, or entertaining, with the goal of turning them into customers over time. Ultimately, it's about engaging your audience and not selling them. You want to help them solve their problem. So Josh joins me today from Costa Mesa. So Josh, let's talk about that strategy that is needed to begin to insert empathy in content marketing. So what are some of the first steps that we need to take? Yeah, that's a great question. So I guess the first, the very first question um, you need to answer is uh, who, who are you? Uh, what do you stand for? Um, why do you exist? Um, so I guess that isn't the first question. That's a, that's a first series of questions. Essentially understanding what it's all about from a, from a business and, and brand perspective. To, to effectively communicate with anybody else, you, you first really have to be able to articulate who you are and what you stand for, essentially. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's, the, that's really the first step. The second step is to essentially do the same thing for the people that you're looking to have a conversation with. So content marketing, any kind of marketing, I think, is most successful when it's not just one entity speaking at or writing at another, but rather, as you mentioned before, there needs to be some level of engagement. So you need to know who you are, you need to know who you're speaking with, and you need to know what those people, what makes those people tick and what they're all about and mm -hmm. what they value. So without those two things identified, it's really, 
really difficult to do anything effective in marketing. Okay. So in, in terms of engaging the audience now, because I think I'm beginning to see, or maybe we're all beginning to see a, a lot of that on television because of the pandemic. And one of the things that came to my mind as I, as I thought about our conversation today was Uber. We were all obviously jumped into an Uber, but when you look at mm-hmm. their piece on TV today, there's nothing about them driving anybody anywhere. It's about everybody staying home and being safe. Is that a part of being engaged in this process? Yeah, you know, they've they've had some some challenging times um, in, in previous years. Um, there's been some bad press, obviously, but the the current CEO and the team there takes safety extremely extremely seriously, and uh, they invest quite a bit into ensuring that the drivers feel safe, um, that the employees feel safe, that the people using the service feel safe. So that's a that's a very important piece of what they do, and you know, given that right now so many people are fearful and they, they sense a lot of uncertainty, Uber has taken the really interesting and really cool, in my opinion, step to communicate a message of psychological safety and uh, basically to communicate to everybody that, you know, what they're feeling right now is okay and what they're feeling right now is very normal and to essentially remind people that um, they share the same values, um, namely safety. And I think it's a really cool move from a brand that most people just consider um, as being one where they could get a cheap ride <laughs> all mm-hmm. over town. But mm-hmm. I think uh, I think you nailed it in saying that they are taking an empathetic approach here. Well, an- another thing that you mentioned uh, uh, in, in some things that you said is helping people to solve their problems. How do we begin to assess what those problems are and begin to address them so that we can engage them? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I think it's, it's a whole, the whole world of possibilities when you, when, when you consider the various problems um, that need solving. And we use that term problems pretty loosely, uh, the term problem pretty loosely. It can mean something as complex as, you know, a chief technology officer or chief information officer needing to find a new sauce product to, to manage their, 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 uh, their salespeople, um, so like a CRM. That can be pretty complex. You have to take into account costs, um, integrations, the, the compatibility with other products you use. You have to take into account security and, and things like that. So helping, the pe- helping people to solve the problem of which, which software they should work with or, or purchase it's a pretty complex one. But on the other hand, people trying to solve the problem of, hey, I just want a snack, right? Um, like, for instance, uh, Snickers has done a great job of communicating what it, that they understand what it means to be hangry, to be hungry and a little bit angry. Um, and they've positioned their brand as a great solution to the problem of feeling that way. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, it really, under, it really, it really, matters that you understand in what context you're talking to somebody. Are they Josh the consumer, Josh the consumer at work? So understanding like who you're speaking to and what problem they're trying to solve and in what context they're considering decisions is all very, very important. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Well, also sort of maybe continuing on, the, on that line, have you run across manufacturers or brands 
that had not thought of alternative uses of, of problems that can be solved, then uh, you recognize them or someone who's outside of their arena recognizes, hey, wait a minute, some alternative uses of their product or services uh, can be addressed to solve problems that uh, they didn't believe that they could uh, solve in the beginning. Does that begin to make sense? Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we haven't done a whole lot of that. That, I think, is more um, kind of in the realm of business strategy. And that's an area where we certainly can operate as a group. We tend, however, to focus mostly on on, on brand level things and storytelling. So rather than looking for opportunities to help brands pivot in solving different problems, we're mostly focused on helping them to take their solutions and position them in ways that maybe they hadn't thought of before. Okay. So essentially looking for, for new ways of connecting with people um, if and when the old ways weren't working. Now, is there a process you go through to, to help identify, as you said, s- some of those solutions to to the thing? You, you just mentioned that uh, some things that they were doing weren't working. How do you work through that process? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a really good question. So there's, you know, quantitative research and there's more qualitative research. Um, you typically will use the latter qualitative research with regards to things like measuring brand awareness. Um, that's something you can put statistics on, but the study, uh, the means of gathering that data is, is highly qualitative versus more quantitative approaches, which is, you know, looking at looking at things like analytics uh, for your website, looking at um, return on ad spend for your, your paid uh uh, media campaigns, and so essentially every brand has a budget. Um, if they don't, they should. And every brand um, should have articulated goals and objectives. And the work that we really focus on as an agency is helping brands uh, reach their objectives and goals with uh, respect to their budget. And mm-hmm. most of the time, we have people reaching out to us because something's just not working. They're either not getting the results that they want uh, on the goals and objectives front or they're just overspending on the paid media front. And so finding ways to just essentially rework their approach um, to be more efficient, uh, that's really the name of the game for, for content marketing. Well, perhaps the, the, the question I need to ask now is that when you said uh, getting with some clients, because a lot of advertising has been about, uh, you know, buy one, get one free. Uh, you know, we've, we've dropped our prices. Uh, this, this, mm-hmm. this model is bigger and faster than the previous one. That that sort of thinking needs to be changed a little bit uh, because it really perhaps is not getting to the issues that the consumer is concerned about. Yeah, well, I mean, there's definitely different ways to compete as a brand. Um, probably the most common way to compete is on price. Um, it's, it's also the least sustainable way to compete, mm-hmm. um, primarily because there's always going to be someone out there in some other country or someone that's just scrappier who has less overhead who can beat you on price at some point. Uh, that's, that's proven to be true time and time again for virtually every industry. Um, for... Certain brands, though, they're, they're, they're happy or content, I should say, playing in that space because they find a way to make it work for them. But I think the brands that do things best are the ones that find a way to compete on value. Um, 
and whether that's actual value or perceived value mm-hmm. is sort of neither here nor there. Uh, at the end of the day, if you can create a brand that people want to pay a premium to be connected to, namely by being a customer or by being an employee, I think that's that's the, the sign of a good brand. And you see that with brands like, obviously the luxury brands, but you see that brands like Nike and brands like Patagonia and so on and so forth. And I think that for brands like that, you know, taking the approach of trying to introduce tactics that would have them compete on price would be a misstep. And that's why you don't see that a lot from brands like that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, because I do a lot of business with the government and a lot of folks might not believe this, but one of the strategies that some state and local governments and sometimes the uh, U.S. government takes is that's exactly what they they put in there, the best value for the money. Uh, at one time, they thought that, uh, you know, we want the lowest price, and perhaps they, they did do that, but they found out that does not always work because the lowest price might not get you something that's worth having. Now it's broken and doesn't right. work anymore, so now you've got to go back and either get some more of them or get uh, one at a higher price that you should have gotten in the first place. So folks need to, uh, right. to learn that understanding between the, the, the price-value ratio, what is the, the, the pros and cons of that approach? Oh, very much so, yeah. That's that's true. We've seen that a lot, too, where, you know, we've lost a bid to an agency that was able to price themselves much lower than us, only to, you know, a month or two down the road, have the client come back or the would-be client come back and say, you know, we made a mistake, we want to work with you guys. And for a lot of people in a professional setting, that's, that's, part, that's just part of, you know, maturing and, and learning that you get what you pay for. But there are other institutions, you know, whether they're public or private, that that's kind of baked into their mandate, right? And it's unfortunate, but it's, it's, it's just the way that some people choose to operate. Now, part of getting to um, helping you to understand things about the clients, do you do surveys for them at all? You know, talking to their public one way or the other through uh, – written surveys, online surveys to find out certain information that can help you build the marketing strategy and make sure that the right sort of empathetic content is in there, if you will? Yeah, that's a great question. So we we take a pretty blended approach to gathering insights. Um, Most of the brands that we work with tend to be a little bit more sophisticated, I'd say, with regards to having a marketing strategy, with regards to having been around for a while. And so Thankfully, a lot of the a lot of the brands that we we partner with, they have a lot of great uh, market research data already already conducted that we can we can lean pretty heavily on. That being said, we tend to do our own research anyways, just because we value having some level of control in determining which inputs we take seriously as we work on a strategy together. And then for the brands that don't have that same pre work, I could say already done, we we tend to do that work ourselves. But yeah, extensive research goes into understanding, you know, who who we're trying to reach, um, what makes them tick, what their fears are, what their motivators are, you know, what their uh, various demographic makeup is, and so on and so forth. And and those are the things, those are the inputs that really help us craft the stories, help us craft the messaging that we believe will connect, you know, what a brand is and stands for, and what what value they provide, and what people are looking to get from a brand, um, whether they're someone looking for a candy bar or someone looking for a, a product to help them manage their sales team. 
Can you recall perhaps your most difficult challenge in convincing, let's say, a client that they really needed to take certain steps? They had been part of the problem. Sometimes the folks say, "Well, we, we've always done it this way." But yep. can think of some exercises where you maybe run across something like that, and you had to convince them that no, this is the way that is really going to lead you forward to to the objectives that you want to reach. Yeah, I mean, it, it actually happens almost daily where we're, we have to be pretty direct with our clients to let them know what we think. And that's not that that's not because every client requires that level of directness, but it's just because we believe strongly that there's a lot of value provided when we're we're direct and honest with our clients. And most of our clients really appreciate it and most of our clients communicate in the same way. And it's a really healthy way to operate, I believe. That being said, there's been countless times where we've attempted to be direct and essentially try to we try to persuade our clients into doing something and we've had that met with resistance because of you know there's no shortage of reasons but internal politics tends to be an issue at some organizations you know having a quote-unquote closed mind sometimes can be an issue but the way that I like to think about it is you know if, if we're if we're trying to provide value then we need to try our best to help present the best idea and if a client is unwilling to take the advice or at least consider the suggestion hopefully I, I put a little bit of a pebble on their shoe and maybe they'll come back to us later to, to rethink and reconsider that idea and if that happens you know I, I still look at it as a win not everything needs to happen you know for us right away so I think if you take the long-term view on things it, it tends to be a healthier way of looking at how you can help your partners okay well, as you think about it, what are some of the things that perhaps we haven't covered that you think people or businesses need to hear as they consider improving their, their marketing procedures? Yeah, well, right now is an interesting time. Um, I think most brands are trying to figure out what to do in this strange time with COVID-19 and all the shutdowns in most states. The, the, the advice or perspective I've been trying to share with people right now um, when given an opportunity, is to just be be really thoughtful and don't say or do anything that you wouldn't be proud of having said or done a year from now. I think there's a lot of brands that are trying really hard to essentially force their way into various conversations and be viewed in a certain light. And I think some brands really care and really want to help people and provide value, but I think other brands are doing it for more PR reasons. And so I would just say treat this situation, even though there's a lot up in the air and Everyone's feeling a lot of emotion. Treat this time like, if you can, uh, an opportunity to press pause and zoom out a little bit and just look at what you're working against. If you have a good strategy, awesome. If you, if you have a strategy that needs some work, now might be a great time to rework it. If you don't have a strategy, now is definitely the time to create one. And I think that um, a really cool way of looking at this time, which I think will pass sooner rather than later, is I heard someone call it the great pause the other day, and I think that that's a really cool way of framing it. And obviously there's a lot of pain right now and suffering, but I think if, if you're a business person or a marketer and you plan on being around in the coming months, I think one thing that you can do that would be good for the future is just really figure out how you can come out of this time and how you can be thoughtful and position yourself for a recovery when there's a greater recovery happening. Mm-hmm. Well, Josh, let me thank you so very much. Uh, and once again, to our audience, our guest today has been uh, Josh Ritchie. He's the co-founder of uh, Column 5, a content marketing firm. Josh, thank you so much. And uh, hopefully, perhaps we'll have a chance to talk to you again in the very near future. 
Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. All right. Have a great day. All right, you too. And we'd also like to say thank you to our listener, Whitney, down in the great state of Florida. She is also a PR firm owner, and uh, she sent us a very gracious note saying how much she appreciates the program. So we'd like to hear from you, too. If you enjoy the program, drop us a note. If you Also, if you enjoy the program, and let us see it in your ratings. We appreciate that so much. And please, don't forget to join us for the very next edition of the Public Relations Review. Thank you. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies, an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us. Hi, this is Peter Woolfolk speaking. Now, first of all, thank you so very much for listening to the podcast. Now, I am very excited to let you know that the podcast is now available on Amazon Alexa. You know the drill. Simply say, Alexa, play Public Relations Review Podcast, and she'll take it from there. And again, thank you for listening. And if you enjoy the program, please become a subscriber. Now, on to the podcast.